Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing Remington Carlson. Remington is a rock star real estate investor who I've gotten the pleasure to know over the last number of months because Remington's actually a client of ours. So I'm very, very excited to be interviewing him. Plus, what he's doing with real estate investing with land flipping is absolutely fantastic. I love it. So Remington, welcome to the show. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me. <laughs> My pleasure, Remington. So before we jump in, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself, your background, and how did you get into this wild and crazy world of real estate investing? Well, I started off like everybody else did, joining the Navy. Wait, no, not, not everybody does that, right? Not, no, I think I I missed that memo. No, so I actually, uh, you know, I, I joined the Navy and served for about 11 years there. And while I was going through that process, uh, actually, that's when I started my, my real estate investing career, at least part-time. That was uh, back in 2000, 2013. And uh -huh. I transitioned into, I guess, being interested in real estate after reading the book that many investors do is rich, rich dad, poor dad, you know, right. As boring right. as that is, you know, it is the springboard for a lot of investors. I can't tell you how many. Yeah. Just them into it. So what was, what that was that first deal back in 2013? What did that look like? So that was a, that was basically a house hacking setup okay. that I did. I bought a, a single family home that I converted to a duplex. We lived upstairs. We rented out the basement. And, you know, lived in it for several years, sold it after about five years because we moved out of it at some point. And, you know, that was a well, that's job. that's smart. You're following Kiyosaki's advice there to turn a, a liability into an asset because he always talks about our own house is usually not an asset because it costs us money. You turn that into maybe not a money maker, but at least you help cover your cover your uh, mortgage payments in the meantime. Smart. Yeah. yeah. So that was the start. You know, that was yeah. uh, kind of opened the door to real estate investing for me wasn't the exact way that I, or exact thing that I do now, but you know, it got me started. Yeah. So, so what did that journey kind of look like? So you, you did that first one, you lived in it for a few years where you're buying other properties at the same time, or was it kind of, as you got redeployed, restationed, you're buying different houses and stuff like that? Yeah. So I bought a, a couple of properties while I was, you know, while we lived in there, we bought another duplex, ended up buying a sixplex along the way. Wow. And, you know, was excited about getting into that. And then I got really involved in the Navy, which kind of required me to step away from actively buying and selling properties for a few years. And so it wasn't until about 2020, 2019-ish when I was, they do a rotation in the Navy where you go to sea for a few years or you're on a seagoing platform for a few years. And then you do a, a, a shore-based rotation and so I switched to my shore-based rotation, had a much more availability and reliable schedule, which then I was like, right. all right, I'm ready to get back into real estate more full-time. And that's when I started exploring the different avenues and the different opportunities within the real estate industry. So up until then, had you guys been self-managing those properties that you built up until then? Were, were you guys kind of taking care of you, you and or your wife, taking care of the tenants and the toilets and all that stuff? Well, that's a good question. And we actually did self-manage our own property that we lived in because it made sense because yep. of the convenience factor. However, as soon as we moved out of that property, as well as our other properties, we hired a professional property manager. I'm a huge proponent of 
basically hiring professionals to do a job well, as mm-hmm. well as making sure that, you know, you don't have to manage some of those problems and you've got people in place to take care of that. And I say this all the time to friends and family, if you can't afford to pay a professional to do it, then you probably can't afford to do it yourself. Mm. So at the end of the day, it was definitely a good decision to professionally manage those properties because it helped us make the most out of it and you know give us peace of mind as well. So you decided to jump in and kind of explore different avenues. Why not just do more of those sixplex type deals? Why not just build up your portfolio that way? Well, there's a couple aspects to that. I'd mm-hmm. say the first thing was ran into what a lot of other people run into is a lot of competition within that industry, especially mm-hmm. over the last four years where we've seen massive appreciation and values, more people getting into real estate. And you know, 10 years ago, the space wasn't nearly as crowded. And right. that's when we got into it, it made sense. You know, the numbers worked out a lot easier. But, you know, the market became a lot more competitive. So that was one aspect. The other aspect was I was looking to do something that allowed for faster growth and for opportunities to, you know, maybe find the growth that I was looking for and the involvement in the community that wasn't done by everybody else or in a way that allowed for me to scale that a little bit quicker rather than just buying a couple properties and holding it for a year. So you were looking for a way to be involved in real estate investing that wasn't super competitive, not super crowded, and that you could jump into pretty quickly and also create a a good revenue source, a good income source for you and your family as you were doing that. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. So that led you towards land, raw land. So for those folks that, you know, because a lot of people don't have the faintest clue (laughs) that you can make money with buying land, right? I mean, they, they always think about perhaps if you're buying land to put a development on or a mall, not they're build, building too many of those anymore, but you know what I mean, to do development type deals, you're doing something very, very different. So walk us through that. How did you come across that? And what does this look like? What, what's what's this real estate investing strategy all about? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll start from kind of the, at least how I got into it. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of questions unpacked there, but How I got into it was, you know, beginning of 2020, a lot of uncertainty just in the world in general, not just in real estate, but I was stumbling across different, uh, different industry, right? Like I mentioned, different ways to work real estate and had read a book that uh, is actually pretty popular among land investors called Dirt Rich, right? So that's kind of got me started, opened my eyes a little bit to the, the sector within, within real estate with the land investing. And then I searched for a mentor at that point to kind of help me get started. And that's what led me to to the person I mentored Hunter to, to help me get started. So that's how I got started was, you know, doing a little research, educating myself to the industry to kind of help me understand what the options were out there. Yeah. And what was your next question? <laughs> no, that's a lot out of back. Okay, so explain in in like layman's terms, Remington, what is you know dirt rich? What is land investing? What does that look like to you? So it's similar. It's a similar model to house flipping without the rehab for the most part. Without the house, <laughs> yeah, without the house, right? So so you're buying a property on sale, right? You're buying it 
with that equity, you're buying it for maybe 50 cents on the dollar. It's worth, you know, $100,000. Yeah, it's worth a dollar. Whatever that number is, $100,000, we buy it for $50,000, right? So first things first, we're buying a property for less than what it's worth. And then we're turning that property and preparing it to sell, whatever that looks like to prepare it to sell. And then we sell it near or at retail value. So it's a very simple process. You buy it on sale and then you sell it at retail value and you rinse and repeat that. Now, where it can look different is what do we do to take it from how we buy it to what we need to do to sell it? Well, first first question that pops to my mind is, where are these properties? Are we talking about vacant lots in the middle of the city that you're getting on sale? Or what what do these properties kind of look like, typically speaking? That's a really good question because there really is just such a huge range of kinds of land that you can buy all throughout the country. Our model is focused towards what we call recreational land. And I'll define that because the definition of recreational land really can depend to anybody you ask. So what we typically are, are what we have in mind, recreational land, it might be between, you know, 10 to 40 acres within a few hours of driving distance of a major metro area and you've got good legal access, good physical access to the property. We like to see trees on our property and access to water for the most part. It doesn't necessarily need to be a running stream, but at the ability to maybe drill a well or you have access to rural water or you know that kind of flexibility with the parcel. So that's what we defined as recreational land. It's going to be the kind of land that isn't too close to the city to price people out as far as the price per acre goes. So it's affordable. Right. But then they can use it, that end user can use it for a lot of different things, be it recreation. Like yeah, like what? The recreation. So the most popular thing a lot of people like to do is build a weekend cabin on it, right? Okay. So yeah. they'll put a cabin on the property. Or maybe they want to do a homestead. So they actually want to move to the property. They want to you know, live on the land. Maybe they want to bring their, their RV out, go camping. They've got toys. They want to go ride their ATVs, their side-by-sides, their dirt bikes, right? They go have fun on the land. So that's kind of where the recreation comes into play, whether it's a weekend or whether it's a fishing on or near the land. Like there's just so much that you can do. Hunting is another big one that, you know, the people like to do, you get a big enough parcel, then you can, uh, you can go hunting on your own land. So, All right. No, no, no that, that clarifies it a lot. Now, the other question that's probably coming up for people is, okay, well, I, I, I get that. But how the heck are you buying that land at such a huge discount? Like you're saying it's you're getting it for half price. That's kind of the the price point that you need to get into that property for in order to be able to do what you need to do and make a profit with it. So how are you finding these smoking deals, Remington? Well, our typical approach to finding sellers that are wanting to sell is via a direct mail campaign. That's okay. our primary source of uh, of leads. And so our our typical process would look like we find a area in the in the count or in the country, right? So that meets the our definition of the recreational land, which that definition can really be applied to, you know, dozens of areas throughout the country. We're not right. limited to one metro area, but we apply that to certain counties that are in demand. And so we'll target those counties and then we target the property owners in those counties. And the letter basically says, Hey, Mr. Property Owner. We would like to buy your property, and this is what we would like to pay for it. If you're interested, give us a call. And we actually include a uh, purchase agreement with that letter. So we've got a cover letter that says, this is what we do, and we'd like to buy your property. Page two, here's our purchase agreement. Give us a call. 
Here's and here's what we're offering you for it. Sign and return, you know. <laughs> so again, for people that aren't familiar with this, are you sending out 10 letters at a time, 50 letters at a time? What kind of what kind of volume of outgoing mail do you need to do to generate some deals? So to give you an idea, last year I think we sent out 200,000 letters. Wow. <laughs> to property owners across the country. So that's the kind of volume we were at last year. And of course, there's a delayed response to when you send yeah. out letters and when you actually end up purchasing those properties. But that's where we were at last year. Wow. So again, this is a definitely a volume type business. You're not just finding one property and sending out a letter and hoping, crossing your fingers and hoping the guy or gal will, will go for it. You're sending out thousands at a time because again, it's a numbers game. So I would imagine the Absolutely. vast majority of of people are just going to take a look at that letter and say, forget about it. But what what are the circumstances where people are open to looking at that kind of a lowball offer? So we deal with basically motivated sellers is what it comes down to a lot of times. Yeah. And typically they're they're motivated to sell for a number of reasons. Sometimes they inherited the property and they've never been there. They're not interested in dealing with it. Land is boring. You know, they just want to get rid of it. Maybe they've got, you know, bills they want to take care of, and it'd be easier for them to have twenty thousand dollars for that property right now, or maybe within the next month, instead of, you know, finding a realtor, mm -hmm. getting photos, getting it on the market, waiting for a buyer, and kind of going through that whole process. And so we solve their, their, or what's the word? Um, their liquidity <laughs> issue with yeah. with their asset, right? A lot. Of yeah, times. you're able to offer them a fast. So painless solution to their problem, right? So you're you're landing on their in their mailbox at the perfect time where they're going through some sort of a a challenge, a personal challenge, or financial challenge, or maybe it's. Do you find a lot of these are kind of like inherited properties, and you're dealing with people that have inherited this thing and they don't know what the heck to do with it, or yes, that yes. kind of situation. And that brings up to the other one is sometimes there might be some uh, some hoops to jump through on these properties, mm. right? So it's like, oh, it's still in grandpa's name. We've inherited it. But grandpa's been dead for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, we've got to figure out how to get it in our name so we can actually sell it. So uh, that's where our our value comes in as a buying as a buying option is not just we'll get them money soon and we'll give them a price that makes sense for them, but we also will help them jump through those hoops to be able to sell it because otherwise they're like they're kind of stuck with an asset they can't do anything with. Hey, dude, I can relate to that. I've got an asset like my brother and I have got an asset like that in Mexico with same same kind of situation. And it was we were like such a pain to try and get things transferred and whatnot. So I can see where people would be very, very motivated if you could provide a solution to that, especially if they've been hitting the wall trying to figure it out on their own. Cool, cool, cool. So that's you're doing a pretty massive volume of outreach to to potential sellers just out of curiosity, so if you're sending out, let, let's simplify the math a little bit because 200,000 is too big of a number for me to get my head around. But let's say you per, what would you say, per thousand or 10,000 letters that go out? Let's say 10,000. Per 10,000 letters that go out, what's your best guess on on kind of how many people reply to you in a somewhat positive manner? <laughs> I would say... So I'm going to work backwards with you on this one. Yeah, okay. I'm going to start with how many out of 10,000, how many we typically buy. 
and then yeah. kind of work up from there. Oh, so, okay. Well, that's that's the end end number I'm looking for. Anyhow, so ten thousand. Yeah, we're typically buying maybe between five to ten properties of those ten thousand letters that we sent out. Yeah. And you know, we might be working through, you know, fifty to two hundred leads wow. initially to get to those five to 10, right? So we might wow. find a bunch of people that want to sell us their land, but we're really selective with what we actually want to buy because at the end of the day, we're not looking to hold this for a long time. We're looking mm -hmm. to get into the property, be able to market it and be able to sell it. So we've got to have a marketable property and a property that we expect to be able to liquidate within our expected time frame. Mm -hmm. because some properties like, oh, it might be worth $50,000, but it's going to take you three years to sell it, to find wow. the right buyer that'll pay $50,000. So that's where we're trying to make sure we're buying a property that is you know, usable enough to enough people to where we can move that property or maybe is in demand enough to the right people or enough people to be able to move it within our expected time frame. Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's ran out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Okay, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys find for selling one of these properties? So what what are what are those criteria? Because I'm thinking, okay, somebody sends that offer back, signed off, saying, "Yeah, I'll take your your lowball offer." It's like, oh, okay, but that that's when you guys really start to get to work. Yeah. So assuming there's not any issues with conveyance, meaning like ownership. Yeah. Right. Assuming that problem is solved or that there, that problem doesn't exist. The next biggest problem that we run into is legal and physical access. Okay. So what, so, is, what does that mean? So I'll break that down. A lot of times people say access, but really that's going to be broken down into two categories. First, you have physical access. Can you physically drive there? You might have a piece of land on the top of a mountain or most of the time when I say access, that means drive there, not just like walk there. Right. Right. You got to physically be able to get to the property. Is there a path to get you to the property between, you know, the roads that exist now? And I'm not talking public or private. I'm just talking, are there roads that really get you there? Yeah. Now, the next question is the legal access. Do you have the legal right to you or the legal right to get to your property? Ah. And what you got to match up is, does your legal path to get to the property match up with the existing physical path to get to the property? And that's where some nuances can come in with with easements or right of ways to make sure that, you know, private or a public road that ends, private road starts. Can you use that private road to legally get to your property, right? If you have to cross somebody's private land to get to your property and you don't have the legal right to use that road that goes from public to private land, then 
you don't have legal access to the property. You can't legally wow. get to your property. So, so that that's for, for uh, somebody who's never had any experience with this kind of stuff. Are there a lot of properties that are kind of, I don't like the term, but it's the only one that comes to my mind, landlocked. Like, like you literally, that is exactly just little the right term. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we say it all the landlocked time. Landlocked land. Landlocked. Yep. It's a landlocked property, meaning you don't have a, a legal way to get to the property or you don't have a good legal way that lines up with existing physical access. It, it happens all the time. Wow. So there probably are ways to to solve that problem, but at this point, it's too much of a hassle for you guys to really want to bother with, right? Like you'd have to, you'd have to get that property at such a discount. It'd be worth your while to go through all those hoops and whatnot to make that happen. Exactly. And you bring up a good point that to make it worthwhile for the right property that maybe doesn't have physical or legal access, we will underwrite for basically creating that physical or legal access under the right circumstances. So it's got to be the right dollar amount. It's got to be, there's got to be a reasonable path for us to achieve that legal and physical access to make it worth our time. If we've got to go through 10 different property owners and there's not a road that exists now, it's like, there's, it's like, that's likely not going to happen or it's not going to make sense. Yeah. You're going to have to be building roads and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting, Remington. So, so let's, let's say you've, done all this work you've sent out 10,000 letters you've you've gone through somewhere between 100 and 200 of them and you got 5 to 10 that are looking looking pretty good and that you actually do a deal on how do you turn that around and sell it are you just is there anything involved with that i say we use three main things to turn the property that we have into a well marketed property that we can sell in our time period. So -hmm. the first thing, and I mentioned this before, we work with professionals in our area to help us do this or in the area that's local to the land, right? So we will will work with a local realtor that specializes in selling land, right? So we don't work with just any realtor. And right, we're happy to pay that commission because the value that they bring to the table is is worth it, you know, time and time again. So we hire a local professional. And the other thing, or the the second thing, and this is part of what the professional helps us to do, is we get really good marketing material on the property, right? So we get good photos. Photos sell properties at the end of the day. It helps sell the dream. And so you've got to take that. They're doing doing the whole drone photos and all that kind of stuff to make it look really sharp, right? That's that's Exactly. You're going to take those internet leads and turn them into like, they want to go look at the property because it looks good enough for them to buy it. Or potentially even they like it enough that they'll buy it without even looking at it, right? So I don't see. Yeah. And and then the third thing is, and this is really important, is when you are, when you're wanting, when the realtors are going to show the property, you want a property that looks good or can show well, just like you would want your house to be clean. And what this boils down to is you might have to do a little bit of landscaping, might have Mm -hmm. to mow the lawn at the end of the day. And sometimes this will involve putting a, a driveway in, right? So you got the private road, well, right. not the private road, the public road that runs along the property. So you got the legal and physical access, but you know we'll put a hundred foot driveway in so we can get off of the public road onto the actual land and you get out of the car and you could walk around and you know, okay. take a look Smart. at it. Yeah. So Spruce it up. helps. Exactly. So it's like, you got to have some space to be able to do that. It really helps the realtors when they get on the property to sell the land because you can you get those buyers there. You could sell the dream. You could paint the picture. 
when they're on it and help be able to uh, to create that opportunity. So it's a mow raw land version of curb appeal. Yes. You got to <laughs> mow the lawn. You got to mow the lawn. Oh, so cool. Good. So typically on these from start to finish, like you find a hot one in it and you accept the offer or whatever. What's the time frame for flipping land like this? Our average is four months from closing to closing. Nice. That's pretty fast. The shorter, the better. Yeah. But our average is four months and we like to to keep it to that, to the best of our ability. All right. And as far as marketing the properties, again, you mentioned that you really rely a lot on the local expertise of a really good realtor who focuses on these kind of properties. Are you guys doing your own marketing as well or, you, or really just focus on the, on the expert there? Our marketing is limited to, we will reach out to the neighbors after we oh, yeah. buy the property to say, hey, we're putting this property on the market. If you're interested in buying it, we'll give you a discount, give us a call. Otherwise, we're just handing, and we do that in parallel. So we'll hand it over to the realtor and say, we've closed on this. We're ready for you to list it. They'll they'll put all their marketing material together and put it online. And then we'll reach out to the neighbors and say, hey, we've got this property next door to you. If you're interested in buying this and you know maybe expanding your land, you know, give us a call. We'd love to work out a deal with you. I would imagine that's quite appealing quite often to to the neighbors. Do you sell a good chunk of them to neighbors? I think we're somewhere between 10 to 20% will wow. sell, we'll sell to neighbors before we even get a chance to you sell it. You don't even it. need to market it. Yeah. Exactly. Which is great because then it reduces our holding time and mm-hmm. it's good for the neighbors too. It's like a win-win. You know, They want to control who moves in and they want to exactly. expand their land or whatever reason and they get that opportunity too when we do that. Oh no, that is fantastic. So what what is typically the kind of I know it ranges, but the price range of the kind of pieces of land that you're purchasing? What are you what are you looking at there? So our average numbers, sort of like an average property, looks like a uh, we're buying it between twenty to thirty thousand, okay, and we're selling it between forty to sixty thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which to a lot of people who are not in the business might sound like holy smokes, Remington's cleaning up with this. This whole thing, he's buying them at half price and selling them at full price. and But they don't realize how much it costs to send out 200,000 letters and how much work is involved with filtering, sorting, and, and all that kind of stuff that goes along with that. So yeah. what would you say as we're wrapping things up here, Remington, what are the, the, the big pros and cons to this strategy? Now that you've been doing this for a number of years, knowing what you know now, you know, what, what are the big benefits and what are some of the drawbacks and why do you think that the benefits outweigh the drawbacks? Well, at the end of the day, you're running a business, which means you've got to balance, right? Your returns that we mentioned with the cost to get those returns, right? So it's right. not just like I can get those returns all day without, you know, putting in the, uh, basically the, the lead, lead flow to make that happen. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, you're still building a business just like with any other investment, but it's going to be built on a business model. So as far as the pros go, I mean, it's it's great because you don't have the intricacies or the competition of the house flipping, the house flipping industry right. that exists now. And, and I believe that the house flipping industry is a lot more volatile. It's a lot riskier. It really is. Yeah. I mean, you're, you've got a lot yeah. higher price properties and, and more things to go wrong. Yeah. And so because of the, uh, you know, more things to go wrong and just the management piece, you know, there's more to manage. And and so some of the, some of the upsides to land flipping is that, you know, with our margins, say the market drops 20%, right? For 
for all real estate across the board, yeah. which it typically won't do that. But you know, when you're house flipping, you got a lot of leverage involved and land is is low leverage, right? Another advantage. We're not really leveraging to the extent that home flippers are. Right. And home flippers, when they go to do that 20% drop in their their retail value is gonna totally annihilate their profit margin. As mm -hmm. opposed to us, it's not right. It's not nearly going to affect us as much because we're not as leveraged against the property. Exactly. Yeah, you're going in. You're buying all cash. You're not. You're not getting mortgages on these properties. You're. Yeah. You got yeah. a lot more spread. Yeah. So we're not as leveraged, and some some of our bigger deals we will actually leverage, but it's not to that you know sixty seventy percent level that typical home flip might be at. Makes sense. Right? But so that that's one of the big advantages, I think, is the the competition and, you know, the the margins that are involved. Of course, some of the disadvantages are, you know, you might be fixing problems that most people in the industry aren't necessarily fixing. Right. right? So you're dealing with legal access, you're dealing with the the conveyance problems that, you know, some people don't want to mess with. Right. right. So you, so you got to deal with that. And I'd say that that's probably one of the one of the biggest downsides. And now that now that I mentioned this, or now that I think about this, I think that it's probably one of the reasons that keeps people out of the land industry is that it's kind of boring, right? <laughs> There's no house that you're remodeling, and people want to get all yeah, fancy. The before and after pictures aren't as exciting, that's for sure. They're not, and I'd say to the average person, it's kind of boring. I get really excited about it. I'm super yeah. jazzed about it, but to the average person, they're like, "Oh, it's just land." Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, though. Do you want a boring investment? Yes, you I do want a boring so. investment. There's I, less I, to I go boring wrong. Boring is beautiful. Yeah. Boring so is beautiful. I'd say that's well, a, a potential downside there. Yeah. I, and I just, you know, knowing you and, and looking at your business, I think for an outsider looking at potentially doing this on their own, the other challenge is it really is a volume business to get to the stage where you're at, Remington. Again, you're sending out tens of thousands of letters a month there's there's some serious organization that's involved with that there's some serious expense that's involved with that so you got to this is not something that you can do super successfully half assed to, to put it yeah. to put it crudely right you you got to kind of be all in and then it also is it's a very active kind of a business just like house flipping is right if if you stop flipping you stop creating income so it's you got to be you got to be doing this deal flow yeah, you're All managing inventory, right? You yeah, gotta manage the process to get the inventory, manage the process to to move the inventory. It's it's still a business at the end of the day, which means it's active, active participation with the business owners. Oh, most definitely. So hats off to you, my friend, for for everything that uh, that you've done and accomplished and what you're going to accomplish. It's exciting stuff. If people want to connect with you, Remington, and find out more, what should they do? Well, I have a, a process to kind of help get people involved and help provide an opportunity for them to reach out to me. And so I've got a website set up, carlsoninvesting.com, right? And this is an opportunity for you to take a look at a little bit about what we do, how you might be able to get involved. There's contact information on the website, my email, my phone number, remington at carlsoninvesting.com. That's my email address. But at the end of the day, you know, what we look to do is how can we work with people who want to get involved in real estate and create a win-win a win-win solution for everybody. Without them having to send out 200,000 letters 
a year. <laughs> yeah. If they want to be active real estate investors, jump in and make it happen. If they're looking, you know, to grow their wealth and not have to be involved and keep doing what they love to do, right? Mm -hmm. They focus on their sole purpose and I can focus on my sole purpose and create a win-win opportunity there. That's where the magic starts to happen. Most definitely. Remington, you. it's always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend, for your time. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. All right, everybody, take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.